Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the County Corridor podcast. In this episode, we'll cover all the latest news from the last week, such as the signing of James Brown from Blackburn Rovers, the friendly defeat against Queen's Park, and we'll be looking ahead to the long, long, long trip down to Stair Park to face Stranraer in the League Cup. We'll also be bringing you our latest interview on the County Corner, and this time it was with the playoff final hero, George Harmon. And for the first time, we'll be bringing you a few clips of the club's weekly press conference where we stumbled across a bit of an exclusive. Um, and we'll discuss that in a little bit. Um, so first of all, I'll welcome our guest onto the podcast. Uh, we're welcoming back Stephen Cleland. Stephen, you good? Yeah, very good, Ross. And ready to go again with all things county. Good, good stuff. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just run it the same as our previous episode. We'll just go with the, the news that came out uh, each day. So we'll start off with Friday just passed. Um, it was announced James Brown, uh, right back, was signed from Blackburn Rovers. Um, he's spent about 18 months, I believe, at Blackburn. Uh, had a couple of loan moves last season at Stockport and then uh, Doncaster Rovers. Uh, prior to his move to Blackburn, um, he was playing his trade over in Ireland at uh Drogheda United. Uh, he was the captain there and it was quite interesting as well. He made the League of Ireland Team of the Year in 2021. Um, and I think it's a player that kind of been tracking for a long time. Um, Malky made a comment on that, that they were watching his progress over in Ireland and uh, prior to him making the move to Blackburn. Uh, so it was quite a, quite an interesting sign. He offers a good bit of competition at, at right back for, for Conor Randall. Um, and by all accounts, he's a bit of a different sort of right back, more of a I would say an an attacking right back, perhaps a bit more dynamic. Um, and yeah, um, by all accounts, it's uh, comes with very good pedigree, as I said, from his time over in Ireland and in England. Stephen, what were your thoughts on the the signing? No, again, um, I would say it's a sensible signing. Um, we're looking at the balance of the squad and what's gone out. So Keith Watson leaving. Normally, Keith would deputise at right back. Um, in periods if uh, Connor Randall was out. Touch wood. Hopefully Connor will have a clean bill of health this year. But in the past couple of seasons, Connor's managed to pick up a couple of injuries. One was a, was a broken foot, wasn't it? Last season, I think it was. And prior to that, he'd, he'd been out for a period as well. Um, so I suppose Malky's looking at that history. And as much as you would wish Connor to have an injury, there might be the likelihood that history tells you that it has happened a few times in a season. That Connor might be out, so you're looking at what what have we then got to bring in, and if we don't have Keith Watson there, then you're having to cover all eventualities. And I think you made a good point there as well, Ross, about the type of player that James Brown will be in comparison to Connor. Connor is a more defensive-minded individual who does, from time to time, venture forward, but it's not his natural game to do that. You know, he and we do tend to, for ourselves, attacking wise, we do tend to come down the left more of the pitch with looking at likes of George Harmon and Josh Reed coming in, who are more forward thinking in that respect. Um, so what it will do is, even if he's coming off the bench, if Connor's the mainstay of the team and they're having to change things, and they can even drop Connor into a, a three in defence and, and and bring him on as wing back and that. So there's that option there, which gives us a bit of flexibility. But I think if we're needing in a, a game to get more you know, bodies forward and, and work down the right, if there's a weakness on the left-hand side of the opposition, then he will be a great addition for that. And you could see that a wee bit on Saturday. Obviously, he's just literally been thrown in 
probably just getting used to his teammates and, and fitness-wise, he's probably a wee bit behind the rest of the team in that as well. Though he seems like, from the stuff on, on YouTube that you, you can see of him, he, he does look like a very fit and dynamic lad that can get up and down the park. Um, but he'll obviously still be building up that base fitness and, and, and match sharpness as well. But no, I think it's a sensible signing for us. And at the moment, while we're still struggling to get those centre-backs in, that was always going to be the worry then if you know we pick up one or two injuries. So we're covering all bases on it and it, it's building a squad on it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting that you mentioned there about the recruitment of centre-halves still to come you know uh mark has been very open in that they are still looking for one or two bodies in the, the middle of defense and i think signing brown as a right back he has played in the right of a back three but what it would also do is for the league cup matches we could easily go with a back three of randall baldwin and Paddington with brown on the right hand side and george Harmon or josh reed on the left so it just gives that bit of flexibility. We've obviously seen Connor filling it right centre half last season at times, which he did well. So um, no, it's, it's it's a good signing. And as you mentioned there, he obviously made his debut uh, the next day against Queen's Park in the uh, friendly match, which ended in a 2-1 defeat for County. Um, and yeah, he would have literally just been in the door, maybe had one, two training sessions at the very most before yeah. he's he's thrown in. Um and you mentioned obviously his his YouTube clips, um like his highlights yeah. and things like that. He does seem like a very dynamic um PC right wing back that'll like to get forward, deliver balls into the box, join the attack. So yeah, it's a, a different kind of option which is good. And um, I think uh, I think as well, Ross, one of the things um that we're gonna be going into at the moment is we're gonna be going into two games a week yeah. very quickly. And the the you know that that can cause problems so quickly after in a preseason. So relying on a squad, then the good thing is they can rotate between himself and Connor, and and also but rotate Connor into different games and like a centre half position as part of you know a, a three in that as well. So I think what it will do is it will help us get individuals fit by giving them ninety minutes or longer in games, but it'll also prevent them going two games a week where they could burn out pretty quickly at the start of a season, which you don't want to pick up any injuries at the very start before you're going into your first league game. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then on Saturday, as we mentioned there, it was the the friendly match against Queen's Park. Start with quite a strong starting eleven in the first half. I think it's probably as strong as we could go um, with the players that we've got just now, barring a few injuries. Um, started off with Rossman Rowan goals. Um, uh, bat three... Or should I say, sorry, back four of Randall, Baldwin, um, Josh Reed, and George Harmon. Then in the middle of the park, um, it was Allardyce, Turner, and Danda. Um, Sims out on the right hand side, uh, with Simon Murray kind of operating almost like in a, a left channel as such, with Jordan yeah. White as the kind of lone striker. It was kind of it was almost a bit of like a hybrid between a three at the back where you could see Josh. Um, Josh Sims is potentially the right wing back whereas and then at times it would almost adapt to then like a 4-3-3 with Sims on the right wing and then Murray in that kind of channel not quite as a out and out left winger but in that kind of area there Yeah. Um, I thought first half I thought we were pretty good um, Queen's Park looked to try and play out from the back a lot which um, I think we stopped them doing I think the press was very good for the majority of the half um, yeah I'm lucky not to take the lead early on with uh, Allardyce dispossessing one of the Queen's Park midfielders and the keeper makes a good save from his shot. Um, throughout the half, Simon Murray had a couple of chances. Jordan White hit the post. 
Um, obviously got the, the goal in the 34th minute, a ball over the top from Danda, um, which found Simon Murray. I don't know if it was a, an intended dummy um, past the keeper or not. It was, I think there's a clip of Pele doing something quite similar, but um, he, <laughs> he put it wide of the post, whereas Simon just went one better and put it into the net. Um, so, so yeah, I thought on the whole it was it was pretty good. Queens Park had a couple of chances as well. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the uh, Ross Monroe made a save, um, and then it was coming out to Rudy Rudy Payton or Dom Thomas. I can't remember who exactly it was. It looked like he was going to have a tap into an empty net, but George Harmon came out of nowhere to make the block and nearly took off someone's head in the the jail end as well with the block yeah. that went flying in there. I, I, honestly, it must have been at like five ten centimeters away from my head. If there was anyone next to me, it would hit them. <laughs> Um, so there was that moment, and then um, Rudy Payton went through one on one as well, which Ross made the save uh, from him, which then led directly to the the county goals. So overall, I thought it was I thought it was decent, um, and obviously as we've mentioned there, the the body's still to come back in. Then as the second half went on, um, substitutions started to come in. Some boys that you know are are needing some minutes. Some of the the younger players that will be looking to go out on loan and things like that. So um, as those substitutions kind of I wouldn't say disrupted the rhythm of our play because we still had a couple of decent chances. Like Hawula had a couple of chances. Um, Matty Wright was unlucky from a, a save from the keeper. Um, but I think those subs allowed Queen's Park to gain a bit more control in midfield. Um, and they obviously got the their two goals um, late on to to win the match. But it's all uh, preseason's always just to get minutes and, and players' legs ahead of the competitive matches starting in the League Cup. And I think it was a it was a really good run out, and it was just, there was a lot of signs, and that were positive, but also you know, as we've alluded to, Malky's mentioned about the the need for defensive reinforcements because you know the, the match we finished with two seventeen year olds um, in this in this center of our defense, a uh, right back that had trained twice with the club, and then um, a left back was a uh, George Rebeston who's probably not naturally a left back, it's more of a winger. And it was, it was just, te- it's, it's about testing these players in these environments. Um, you know, we kind of discussed it off the podcast, but, you know, um, having an experienced head next to the younger players is always, is always really good for them. We saw that in the first half at Nairn with Conor Ewan. It was sandwiched in between um, Ben Pannington on his left and Conor Randall on his right which certainly helps. And then in the, the second half as well, Dylan Smith's got Jack Baldwin next to him, helping him through the game. And it, it, it's just, it's it's that, isn't it? It's just having an experienced head next to him, which I'm sure will come with the signings. And yeah, it, it's, it certainly wasn't a bad performance from any of them at all. It was just, it, it was good to see them all get minutes and test them in, against a good Queen's Park side. In a, and, you know, it's, it's they're playing at a high level. Yeah, no, I, I would credit Queen's Park. I think they took it very seriously, the friendly in front of Queen's Park. I think we were talking about it. I think they only made the one sub. So from what we could see is they were they were treating it like a, a real competitive game. I think in fairness to Malky, he's obviously conscious of the the fragility of the back line right now with the numbers in there. So I could even see that when Baldwin was coming off, there was a conversation. And I think what Malky's doing is, okay, I'm happy up to that sort of 70 80-minute point where you've got a bit more time in your legs, but let's not take a risk on here, especially, I think, it was reported in the press afterwards because everyone was sort of worrying, well, where's Paddington? He's not appeared here today, and it was just he was suffering a bit of sickness, it was. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at that and thinking, well, that shows as soon as one person's out of that back line right now with the depth they've got, he would want 
Baldwin to pick up an injury when Queen's Park were taking it so competitive that we're then going into the first game of the season potentially without both our, you know, people who you'd imagine we playing centre half. So I think from that aspect, as much as a fan, it can be frustrating because you're wanting to see a competitive game and it's but it's pre-season at the end of the day. And as you said, it's about getting sharpness up. So first half, yeah, I thought we held it well and looked quite professional in what we're doing. There was a couple of times where at the back, we just got exposed a wee bit. But again, it's about getting your sharpness in there. Um, I think, um, as you said, George Harmon was fantastic through his body out. And I like to see that in a pre-season game, that it's not just accepting that, you know, let them roll at the net, we'll get another, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get a goal back. Yep. George was tre- treating it as a competitive game, as you should do, because it is a window for all the players. And imagine George is looking at it now with players coming in and thinking, right, there's a bit more competition in my position now and in that area of the park. So again, you want to lay a marker down to the manager and just, you know, remind them that's why you're in there from last season as well. Um, but I thought first time, and I thought Simon Murray took his goal well. I was laughing your 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 reference to him being Pelly there. Well, there's already been one ginger Pelly, and I think Scott Boyd's got the copyright on that. So we'll have to think of a different name for Simon on that one. But no, he took it really well, and it's good to see the lad. You know, that's him now two games, the last two games at Victoria Park, that he scored two goals, and that's what he's been brought in to do. So it's great for the lad's confidence. And I've said that all along. I think once he gets up to speed with the team, because it was a tricky one coming in last year where he, where he came in and he was in and out. If he starts getting a run of games in these sort of positions, I think he will score us, you know, goals, which is which is positive. And and we didn't, you know, we didn't need to learn anything about the boys that were in there already from last season and that and stuff. But the new players that have came in, Allardyce looked decent enough yep. and he'll get better. I thought um, the boy Turner looked really good. I think, did he not have a strike at one point? He did, his... aye, a long range one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that's great to see because I think one thing I'm always a wee bit critical of county teams and it's not just Malky's team. I always feel like we try and overplay it into the box and sometimes there's nothing wrong with having that variety and having a shot in there. So it's great to see him and do that. And again, he just, you know, we didn't learn anything different. As you know, Dan does set up for the goal, great pass, you know, and you can see the quality in there. But as you said, it was good to see the youngsters get a bit of a run out. Um, but it's also good to put them under a bit of competitive pressure because, yep, as we said, out in uh, Nairn, you can look good when you've got that experience beside you. But it's a then for you when you've got your sort of, you know, 17-year-old teammate beside you. Can you figure out a situation? Can you sense the danger? Can you manage that sort of thing so it'll be a learning process for them so from that point of view disappointing to lose the goals late on because we all want to see count you in but in the reality of it, it's a good learning curve for these young boys and makes them understand that's what you're going to be up against teams will you know put you under pressure at the end if there's a chance of a game being won and it's how you manage the game out so they will learn from that so overall as I said Ross in the, the cold light of day when you review it and I was probably a wee bit more harsher after the game and that I got a bit frustrated that there wasn't enough experience with some of these young boys. But then when you think about it, Malky's probably looking at it and thinking, look, just need to protect these players with the depth of the squad right now that we're not going into our first competitive game against Stranraer short in any position. So I can understand his point of view in that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's a bit of like a sink or swim situation. See how they cope. And yeah, as we mentioned, it's obviously disappointing to lose the goals late on, but they have tested themselves against probably what's going to be one of the better sides in the championship. Well, they certainly were last season. They yeah. they missed out on automatic promotion in the last game of the season against Dundee. And they went into yeah. the playoffs and were, unfortunately, they just came up against the part of this old juggernaut that was going through the playoffs at that point. Yeah. Um, so it just it just teaches them kind of what the standard's going to be like, you know, even in a preseason friendly 
gives them that experience against good players like Dom Thomas, Rudy Payton, players like yes. that. And and yeah, look, it's it's minutes in the tank. There's sharpness back in. And as we mentioned in the first half, I thought we looked very good. I thought Simon Murray's running in behind the Queen's Park defence was, was excellent, was causing them a lot of problems. Um, I thought the midfield three of Turner, Allardyce and Danda worked quite well. Um, yeah. And yeah, and at the back, apart from the, the couple of chances that um, Queen's Park had, I thought we were pretty comfortable. And I thought it was interesting to see Josh as a left-sided centre-half rather than yeah. a, a left wing back is a bit of a different position that we've not seen him in before. So yeah, it was just interesting watching these little kind of like tweaks and how, how they got on. So And the conditions as well, it was it was what it was about 27, 28 degrees ah, it was. Roasting. Which, Horrible. Which, you know, and it, you know it wasn't like pure sunshine either. There was you know the cloud was keeping a bit of heat in the air. So it was really muggy. So from the point of view is you know when normally the, the boys are going out in warm weather training and playing a game if they are they're lucky abroad and that which is done historically I don't think they did the last time in Malkit which is purely training. But that alone, you know, again you've got to be careful that you don't dehydrate and sap players where they potentially pick up an injury. So again from Malky's probably with his experience, he's probably right. You know, we we as fans are looking at it slightly differently. He'll be looking at a longer term picture on that and going, Okay, you know, let's just not take a risk that anyone gets dehydrated, picks up an injury or anything like that, and then we're sort of, you know, chasing our tail going into competitive games. Because I know as a fan sitting there, you know, like sweating that much, the tattoos were sliding on the floor. It was just like, yeah, it, I would, you know, to, to the way we play is quite, we do press teams. We like to do that. We do like to to, to press on teams and we're, we are quite high energy and chasing a lot of balls. So in that heat, it, it was always going to be a tough game. But I, I, I generally, I thought fair play to Queen's Park. I actually thought they played some really good football. They got the ball down. They played it around, especially towards the end. You know, it, it probably was made easier for them without the experience being in there and the younger players, they could exploit it a bit. But credit to Queen's Park, as you said, they look like a, a really good championship side. And I think, again, with a new coach and, and maybe one or two additions for them, they'll be probably there or thereabouts next season in the championship. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Um, so, first of all, um, we are going to bring you the first snippet of the club's weekly press conference from today. Um, it was quite exciting to attend it for the first time. So thanks to to Jack who um asked me along. So um Josh Reed was speaking to some of the media ahead of the trip to Strunroar. How delighted are you back at Ross County? Yeah, buzzing. Um yeah, delighted. Just can't wait to get going really. Um obviously starting on Saturday, first competitive game back, so yeah, delighted, can't get can't wait. What made you decide to come back? Um I look I love this club. Um this is like my club. I live like five minutes up the road. Um obviously, you know, I was here before and love my time here, so you know, it was a no brainer really. How was your time at company? Uh really good, uh to be fair. Um I didn't play as much as I'd like, but you know, the experience down there met some amazing people and all Oh, all in all, it was it was a good experience. Do you think you've returned as a better player? After um, experience? Yeah, definitely. I think physically wise, um, I'm much more better, and my understanding of the game has got a lot better since I moved down there. And so, I feel like I can bring that back up here now. Right. County came close to relegation last year. How confident are you that you can help County keep away from that this year? Yeah. Definitely, you can see it in there. It's like we've got a good bunch of boys, and 
you know, our aim is to not be where we were last season and to push up the table and, you know, can take that game by game, but hopefully we're we're right up there. How excited are you to get the season underway this weekend in the League Cup? Yeah, can't wait. Um, obviously, we've got four games in the League Cup before we get going in the league, and it's just a, just about winning all them games and getting into the last 16. Long trip to Sundar. What's your thoughts ahead of the game? Um, yeah, it's definitely a long trip, um, but I, it'll be a be a good test. Um, but yeah, we we know we what we've got to do, and hopefully we'll get the win. And how important to do well in the cup? Yeah, it's it's a big thing. You look, all the fans love a cup run, and we know how much they'd love to get. You know, a big trip down the road in the last sixteen, or you know, if we progress further. Um, so it's definitely important to get the season off to a good start and, you know, caps are huge. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, Josh Reed speaking to some of the media uh, ahead of the trip down to Stranraer. Um, great to see, obviously we've spoken about before, great to see Josh back um, and speaking about, you know, it's his, it's his local club and things. So, um, yeah, and now we're just going to jump back into the press conference. Uh, and hear what Malky's had to say ahead of the, the trip down to Stranraer as well. Season gets underway in the League Cup on Saturday. How ready do you feel? I suppose as ready as everyone. Um, we really only had three weeks, no, even three weeks off. Um, so uh, there's that kind of balance between allowing the players to, to try and get a break um, and they're not going to have lost that much fitness in three weeks um, versus pre-season and making sure that they're sharp and they're ready to go. Um, and, and when the competitive games start, which is obviously Saturday, um, I'm delighted that we've managed to get a couple of uh, bounce games in before that one near in Queen's Park. You've made, let's say, seven so far signings. Um, how pleased are you with those you've brought in and the way your squad is shaping up? Yeah, like every year, I suppose we've we've had to um, kind of reshuffle in terms of players leaving and players arriving and rebuild. So it's quite a lot to actually have to rebuild again. But nothing we didn't do the last couple of years. So it's just the way it is. I suppose I'd I'd love to uh, add to a squad that I've got and not actually lose any. But uh, it is what it is. And I think the ones that have come in, we've done business reasonably early, which I'm delighted about. Um, and it'll be about them settling into the group. Um, some are at different stages from others in terms of the sharpness, the fitness that I'm looking for for our first team players. But again, it's it's only stuff that in a matter of weeks we'll, we'll, everyone will catch up. Are you still looking to bring any more in? Um, we're looking to see if there's uh, maybe maybe one more or so we could we could bring in. Uh, are you but close again, to that? Um, well, it's like everything. Um, this year, I think the fact that we've done our business reasonably earlier means that there's still seven weeks before the transfer window closes. And um, you know, in past seasons, um, certainly in the English market, um, you know, a lot of teams are just coming back, just starting their first pre-season friendlies, and people squads won't be quite getting decided for another two or three weeks. And then after that, it'll be players taking time to decide: do they want to leave or not? Clubs, do they want to send send players out on loan or not? Uh, and then you're in a kind of uh, an auction with various other clubs as to who you're going to get. So that might take all the way through to the window. You had a tough end of the season last year. Uh, how confident are you that the squad you've got now won't be doing the same kind of fight? Um, I think 
every year um, Ross County have, are seen as the favourites for going down. Um, what I would say is that uh, our first target is always to stay in the division. Um, when I look at, you know, for example, Dundee United didn't, big city club and didn't stay in the division. Um, I think it's um, testament to everyone at the football club that we are in the division again. Um, we'll always be seen as the, the men of the division uh, by budget, by size of club, by attendances, everything like that. Um, and what we did come the end of the season, I think, when we went four points adrift after the um, Hearts game when we've got the five games to go. Um, to then go into the five games and be the top scorers in the league other than Celtic and Rangers in those last five games showed a real resilience with the group um, and the fight obviously in the last game to, to make sure that we, we actually stayed the way in it um, actually gives me a real bit of confidence in terms of the way we ended the season How excited are you to get the season underway in the league cup? Yeah I mean obviously we're into, we're into competitive football which is uh, always different Um so uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that more than I'm looking forward to the drive to Stranraer. Yeah. So to see a long trip to Stranraer, how much does that affect your preparations? Uh, not particularly. Um, we just, again, that's logistics. Fiona McBeano will uh, arrange all our logistics for that and we'll prepare just as we would a Premier League game. Um, you know, it's just when it, when it came out, I certainly gave Callum Beatty a phone just to thank him for making sure we would go as far as we could and wondered whether he would throw in Berwick Rangers as well for, for good measure. How important is it to get a good start in the Cup? We certainly are focused on trying to um, get through the group, absolutely. Um, everyone wants, would love to play a hand in, in a Cup um, and it's no different here. I've spoken to the boys already about that and saying, you know, you want to try and get yourself to Hamden and uh, we're into the cup right away and it's, it's one that comes around quickly. Team news? <clears throat> Team news, we've got um, uh, bits and pieces of knocks at the moment. Um, some long-term uh, couple that are, <coughs> excuse me, couple that are only going to be a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a mixed bag right now. Um, fans have obviously got to see the new recruits on the pitch in the last couple of friendlies against Nair and Queen's Park. How impressed have you been with them off the pitch as well, settling into you know, a very settled core group? Yeah. And how have they settled in and helped kind of fill the voids of you know, their characters that have yeah. as well, like Keith Watson and Alex yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, Keith and Alex and David Kincola, the three of them were men, and the three of them were, were really good ambassadors for our football club. So, um, you know, we've lost them and... Um, you know, I've had good chats with the three of them and I wish them the very, very best in their career. They've, they, were, they were great for me for the last two years. Um, and you're right, there is, there's gaps there. Um, so firstly, Jack Baldwin takes over uh, captaincy of the football club. Um, his vice-captain will be Ross Laidlaw. Um, and uh, Conor Randall and John White become important lieutenants as well. So um, that being the case, uh, between a, a good dressing room um, which I think I've got and also the fact that um, our staff you know um, headed up in terms of the looking after players with, with Fiona McBean makes a, is, a, is a really important thing in terms of youngsters coming up um, it's the basics even just of, of um, how they get their stuff up here how they get their car up here um, you know that first time that first drive going into a, a hotel to start with but then getting in uh, sharing accommodation or having accommodation of their own where it is 
um, all those little details that um, you know are, are things that you kind of forget um, but are really important to somebody actually living properly up, up at the football club run about the club where they just need to come in and actually go on with the football because all the other parts are settled quickly um, so uh, it's an important thing especially for um, you know it's with there's not been like a central belt team where you know someone was at St Mirren and is going to Motherwell someone was at Morton and is going to you know Livingston there's not a lot of, that's changing there you know coming up to the islands is, is a complete change for never mind the English players some of the Scottish players as well so the quicker we settle them the better um, again it's something that I'm, I'm used to from my time in England so again it was something we, we put a welcome pack together that um, it goes to everyone immediately so that the lots of the needs of their are, are spoken about very very quickly and we get the boys in and integrated um, we weren't able to get away this year pre-season because that can always help in terms of a group being away together for a period um, but we have been at the training ground a lot um, and uh, as I say the, the staff play an important the small staff play a really important role in that because what, you're, what you're, your question is that you're asking is, is an important one in terms of making sure that that group become quickly integrated with each other and uh, new boy at new school um, is over and done with within a day or two um, because it's not easy you come in I've done it myself at various clubs you come in and don't know anybody don't know where you're living don't know where the, how you get to the training ground kind of might know people's names don't know some names um, how's this all going to work you don't really know the way of things and it's important that the new guys we, we wrap our arms around them quickly and get them integrated yeah so that was Malky's thoughts ahead of the trip and what he's thought of pre-season so far the squad update ahead of the the trip down the A9 and the interesting bit of news that um, I didn't expect to come out from the press conference was um, the club confirming that Jack Baldwin will be the club captain for the 2023-24 season and uh, Ross Laidlaw will be his vice captain and also interesting to hear that Malky mentioned both Connor and Jordan having key roles as well as they're kind of lieutenants as he put it so um i think jack was obviously going to be the obvious choice after being a team captain last season with keith being club captain so jack will just make the the natural step up and and ross laidlaw stepping in as his vice captain's quite an interesting uh choice too and yeah um good characters on the park and off the park which is which is important they've obviously played a big role uh under malky since he's been at the club as well and, and has a has a lot of faith in them. Yeah, um, and it makes sense, Ross, the characters involved, the four you mentioned, all experienced. They've been at the club for a period of time now, um, but I also think they would have the respect of the changing room for what they've done in their careers. Yeah. Um, and also that the youngsters, and they're, they're good examples. You know what I mean? They're good examples. Um, but also with the likes of Jack Baldwin and Ross Laidlaw, you'd expect them to be playing the majority of games as well. So again, it's a it's a it's a you know sensible choice yep. um, from that point of view. And again, mentioning Connor Randall and, and and Jordan White being involved in that process as well. Again, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean boys that are probably going to play the majority of the games that are be involved? Yep. Um, but not just on match day, but around the changing room and yep. and setting the standard in training. Um, 
because obviously the, 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 these boys will have the experience last season of, of where we finished and that, you know, as much as it was exhilarating for the fans at the end, you had that sort of worry in the build-up to these games, how things were going to go. And that probably something they're going to be hammering home to the players is right from the very start, we need to pick up as many points as possible and let's not get ourselves in that position. So I think having that core who have been there last season will make it give stability for anyone coming in to support them. Um, but I also know they're they're all very good out with the pitch as well for yeah. people coming in and they've spent time and they get the team together and they have conversations with players if they think things are slipping and that and stuff as well. So yeah, logical choices and, and good professionals at the end of the day. And that's that's what you want as your your role models and your templates for anyone coming into the club. That's the expectation and that's what you want to see. Definitely, definitely. And it's it's interesting as well, the the kind of characters we've taken into the, the club as well. Um Mark, you were speaking about, you know, guys that have come up from the championship, like the Kyle Turner, Scott Allardyce, you know, the they're established championship players and now they're wanting to become established premiership players. And this is a perfect opportunity for them to do that. You know, they're coming into side with established premiership players too, you know, likes of Jordan, Connor, Jack, Ross. Um, you know, the, there's others there as well. Um, so coming in, knowing the standard that you've got to be up to, um, and even some of the younger players that have, have come in as well, likes of Max Sheaf, Jay Henderson as well, you know, mm-hmm. they'll they're the they're the standard to try and match. Um yeah. and and yeah, look, it's I think it's the right the right choice. I don't think anyone is going to disagree with that. And yeah, just wish them all the best in their their new roles. Um the other bit of news that came out today, which is Wednesday when we're recording, is um Andrew McLeod and George Robeston have gone on loan to Nairn County for the first half of the season up until January. There might be an extension period. I, I don't know. We're just it's just safe for at least the first half of the season. Um it's a good move for them. I think, you know, saw Nairn are a decent side in the, the friendly last week. Um gives them more minutes at uh a good standard as well in the Highland League against, you know, physical players. Um and yeah, I think it's going to be the first of the, should I say, the first batch of the younger players heading out on loan. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good move for the the, the boys, both of which um, I saw the boy McLeod play for Clark last season. I went to one of the games and they were playing. Um, in fact, it was Nairn they were playing, um, and saw him play, and he looked, you know. Really good, you know. Um, but again, it's it's time on the pitch at that age and in, in men's football, and he's learning the game. Um, the other lad, George, I've not seen much of the boy. That you know, the first time I really saw much of him was out at Nairn. But what I did see, I, I thought he looked really dynamic and looked like he wanted to get in the box and yep. and sort of hurt teams and that and stuff. And I think from what we saw at Nairn, they've got a good blend of experience in that team, but also youth. So I think they'll they'll not just by playing the games, but they'll pick up from individual and of course they've got two really good uh, they've got Sid Mackay there who I know Stephen for years and he was in at County and, and, and was a professional at County so he will understand what these boys are going through because I know Sid himself went out on you know loans and stuff and that as well when he was younger so he'll be understanding all that and and Heinzy David Heinz is in there as well again who's you know had a good career at, at, at Cali as a youngster and then obviously in, in the Highland League and that and stuff as well 
um, and, and being out at other clubs and that. So they've got two good, you know, people that will look after them. And that's always um, a thing for county putting out on loan. Is it's not just the, the, the minutes, but the environment they're going into in that as well. And so I think Nairn are looking to progress and, and, and you know, push their way up the league and that and stuff as well. And I think um, that will suit these boys going into that environment where it'll be, they're probably, Nairn are not going to be the, the, the top team in that sort of bracket in the Highland League. So they'll be coming up against teams where they'll have to, you know, not have the ball as much in certain games, but they'll also come up against teams where they will have the ball. So it'll be a good balance for them to, to for offensive and defensive side of the games and that stuff as well. So, no, I think it's a, a sensible suggestion. And also, it maybe dovetails into a wee bit what we were talking about is when we're talking about County have potentially still got a couple of signings to make. Maybe reading a wee bit into it, but if you're allowing a centre-half to go out on loan and you're letting a left-sided midfielder go out on loan, is that then they're making space in the squad for incoming players to, to come in? Or at least that's where they're focusing on as well. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um... It's interesting seeing some of the comments then after the the match on Saturday, but also some of the comments last week too about some of the younger players. So uh, if I'm correct in saying, um, Malky spoke specifically about Matty Wright and he'll probably be heading back out on loan um, this season, you know, to help him develop minutes at a competitive level after the two loan moves last season. Um, the decisions on Adam McKinnon, uh, Connell Ewan and Dylan Smith won't be made until later in the window. I'm assuming that's probably just because of the the cover that we've we've got at centre half just now and also in midfield. Um, and another one is obviously Logan Ross as well. And I think Logan's still here as cover just until uh, Ross Laidlaw is fully recovered from his knee injury. And I think uh, during like the the team updates, I think everyone at the very most the knocks are only two to three weeks away from being involved. So. Yeah, um, we should see them by the end of the the League Cup group stage. The majority of them, which is encouraging to hear. Um, and yeah, look, it's it's a pathway for the for the younger players. Obviously, Peter asked us the the question last week of of who yeah. might we see, might we not see? And I think it's it's normal, certainly for the the younger group to to get their loan moves to get that experience, like some how Matty and Adam have. Um, yeah. So it'll be yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how everyone gets on with their. Uh, respective loan moves. So, uh, yeah, and I think it was a us. it was a fair it was a fair. I think what Malky put out there, people were you know messaging me and said, "What do you think?" And I was thinking, well, it was quite a fair thing that Malky said about likes of a uh, Matty Wright, and he's he's done a bit today about Ross Monroe and that as well, and saying, "Look, this is probably the season where it's either going to be." they're going to kick on in their careers at County or they're going to need to go elsewhere to get a new challenge because of the game time and that and stuff as well. Um, and I think it is, you know, the boys have been there now since probably 16, probably the probably three or four, even maybe five seasons. I'm trying to remember where Rossman row on that one now. And you're looking at it and thinking, okay, you've had a couple loans with varying success, but what we forget as well is they're still training with the first team on a daily basis. Yeah. And that's the best window you can have to impress a manager. Agreed. So as I was saying last week, I think what Malky's probably done with these boys is he's put a bit more responsibility on their shoulders and said, look, we've allowed you the time to develop, but this is now the time now that you've got to put the responsibility on yourself and can you deliver under a wee bit of pressure on that now, which I think is a, probably a positive thing because I think the worst thing you could do then as a club 
is get to the end of someone's contract and just say to them, well, that's it, we're going to release you without actually saying to them, look, this is now the expectation of you and this is where we hope you to be. Um, so I think Marky was really fair in what he put out there. I don't think it was done disrespectfully to any youngsters. I think it was done with the, probably to motivate them a wee bit and say, look, this is now where you, what we expect as a club. And if you're going to kick on to be at that level, because what we forget is we're playing Scottish Premier level. Do you know what I mean? And if we were a championship side, you probably could have three or four more youngsters in there and give them a bit more time to develop. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to get that in the Premier League. So the onus really has to be on the, the player. How do they develop themselves? And as I said last week, for my right, what I'd be doing is I'd be looking at it and going, right, if I've got four or five strikers ahead of me, how am I going to get ahead of them? And what am I going to need to do to do that? And if it is going out on loan, then you're thinking, right, it's not a case of, I just hope it's going to happen for me on loan. It's going to be, right, I'm going to have to work twice as hard as the players on that loan team because you're wanting to start and you're wanting to get that feedback going back to the club that the reviews coming in are, you're starting at that level and you're ready to make a step up. Do you know what I mean? Um, So I think it was all positive what was put out there by Malky and I think some of it was probably done with a bit of intention to try and motivate one or two individuals there as well to say to them, look, this is now the expectation on you. Um, And I think that, that the reality is that has to come at some point. Um, and especially if you've been at the club three or four years, then at, at that point, I don't think there can be any excuses for the players if at the end of that time they, they don't maybe reach that level, that they can't say they've not had the opportunities provided to them. I know there's always this push to get the youngs, more youngsters in, but we sort of saw that a wee bit on Saturday. If you flood the team of youngsters without that experience in there, that can be an issue for you. So I think it's down to the individuals themselves, especially if they're going out on loan. Let's, let's see you achieve a level above of what the loan is and that will put you in good stead so now we're just going to jump into our interview with George Harmon which we recorded on Wednesday it was a great chat with George just talking about his career so far coming through the ranks at West Brom his time at Oxford City the move north to Dingwall and um, yeah obviously we had to talk about what went on in that second leg of the Premiership playoff final so um, hope you enjoy our chat and yeah here it is we're delighted to welcome our latest guest, George Harmon, to the County Corner podcast. George, welcome. Cheers, thanks for having me. No, thank you very much for coming on. Um, how's pre-season been for you so far, coming back in after all the drama of the last game of the season here? Yeah, it's been different this year to most pre-seasons, I think because of the, the playoff uh, games last season. It's uh, pushed our season on a bit longer than what we would have wanted, um, so that means that we had a bit less time off. So I think we've been getting... Good training sessions in this uh, last few weeks, but I think it's been more trying to maintain the fitness for the lads that have already been in here, and then the lads that have come in the door, making sure they're up to up to speed with the lads that have already been in here. Yeah, of course. Um, it just feels like yesterday of the, you know, the second leg against Park and all the celebrations afterwards, fans lifting you up on their shoulders, celebrating. That must have just been something incredible to experience. Yeah, it was, it was bonkers. Yeah. The, the whole day was like. We had quite a few lows that day, obviously going 1-0 down, 3-0 down on aggregate, but just shows the belief in, in, in the dressing room that we have. And I yeah. think the crowd gave us that, that extra lift, especially when uh, we scored that second goal. We thought, you know, we've got a chance here. And luckily, we we got the the third goal and, and then coming to penalties, I think we'd practised during the week uh, a few penalties. Um, and... I say uh, Laidlaw did really well in, go- in goal that day. I think uh, 
he came to the rescue a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. I think he was due a couple from like during the season and stuff like that, and thankfully they all came in the, the shootout. So we'll come on to the, the playoff game a little bit more as we go on. Um, so just first of all, touching on your time at West Brom, um, you signed there at the age of eight, and during your rise to the academy, you captained every age group you were a part of. Um, you made your debut for the under-23s at 16 years old, which is really impressive. Um, you're also awarded Scholar of the Year during your time there uh, one mm-hmm. year and met Gareth Southgate at the awards. What was mm-hmm. that like? That must have been quite a similar yeah, experience. Yeah, it was, it was good. Um, I think that might have been uh, the year that we uh, played in the FA Youth Cup. Mm-hmm. So the FA Youth Cup is probably the, the biggest competition as, a, as an academy player. I think uh, even when you're 14, 15, everyone's looking at the under-18s of the FA Youth Cup and... Um, yeah, we did, we did well um, in the year when I was a second-year scholar. Uh, we got knocked out in the semi-finals, but it was, that was a really big um, milestone for the, for the club. Uh, we'd not got to, to them stages for a while, and the teams we knocked out along the way were like uh, yeah, Everton, Arsenal, um, I think like QPR, uh, Lincoln, I think it was. Um, so it was, it was a good, good test for you. You're coming against... I think I think Bakara Saka played in that Arsenal team, wow, okay. um, so knocking him out was was nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was nice. It was uh, to win Scholar of the Year. I think the hard work as a, as a scholar. I think you get put through your paces at times with all the jobs. It's not just on the pitch as a scholar. It's also what uh, what you do off the pitch. Um, as like you whatever needs doing, you're the people that everyone goes to. And it's the same here as well. I think. The lads that we've got here as as uh, scholars or apprentices or whatever the name is for yeah. them, what they do for for us uh, first team lads is sometimes it goes unnoticed, mm. and uh, but it's good that we see them in training as well. And, and like I say, they're, they're not just numbers; they're they're good players as well. Yeah. Um. So uh. So yeah. Yeah, I've got it down here that it was the first time the club reached an FA Cup U semi final since 1976. You say there was yeah, a big achievement there in the the sides he knocked out along the way. You mentioned Bukayo Saka. Was there any other kind of like big players now that you were playing against that um, you played against? I think you? that was probably the biggest one we played. I'm not sure if uh, Ellis Sims played in okay, that yeah. one when, when he was at, uh, he was at Hearts. I think just on for Coventry as yeah, well. Yeah, he has, yeah. I think he might have played in there. And then I think there's probably a lot of lads that are floating around probably League One Championship yeah. level. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good, uh, good year for me and, and for the club as well. Uh, I think... Being a being a West Brom fan back in the day, it was it was nice to play for your your home team and yeah. um, but obviously there gets a time when you want to play in a first team and I I knew quite quickly that the the gap between under twenty threes and and first team was quite big mm-hmm. um, especially I think that's quite a lot of the time in England that happens I think up here where where we've got like I say. Got sixteen year olds training with the first team. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't really happen uh, back down south. So uh, so yeah, I, I got to a point where I just wanted to play first team football and have uh, a proper being proper football. I think yeah. sometimes uh, academy football can be seen as a bit fake, um, where they're looking more at performances rather than um, getting three points. And sometimes that that's that's unrealistic. So yeah. I think when I did move to Oxford. I think that's probably the best decision I ever made in my career because mm-hmm. I think without Oxford City I wouldn't I wouldn't be here playing for Ross County now. Yeah, um, you, obviously leaving West Brom, you mentioned there that you were a fan through you know your your days growing up and things. Was it tough then to to make that move away from a club that 
you know, you've been a part of for so long and it also had a special place in your heart yeah, prior was, to the Oxford Movement? It's, it's all I'd known. I signed when I was eight years old and I left at 20. Yeah. So I was there for 12 years. It was over half my life. Yeah. And it's all you know, it's, you're in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, you've grew up with the same group of lads since eight years old. You've all moved through the academy. Mm -hmm. And then when that pathway gets shut off, it is almost like, what's next? I yeah. think it's, it's always difficult for lads that have come out of under-23s football and they've had no experience of first-team football yeah. because whenever, you're a, whenever you want to move into a first-team, one of the first questions I'll ask you is, what experience do you have? Yeah. And as an under-23 that hadn't had a loan move, hadn't had any experience, so it's always difficult to get that foot in the door somewhere to then kick on your career. Yeah. And I was, I was really grateful that Oxford... Oxford City gave me um, an opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And it was a really successful spell for you down there as well. Um, made 45 appearances, scored seven goals. Um, City finished in the playoff positions for the first time in their history and you also won fans player of the season as well. So, you know, you were speaking really highly of the club there. Yeah. How was your experience also on the pitch but also off yeah, the pitch? Yeah, it, it, it was a great club to be yeah. a part of. It's probably small in terms of size. Mm -hmm. There wasn't as many fans, but the fans that did turn up were, were really passionate about the club. And I really enjoyed my football. I think the last few years at West Brom probably didn't enjoy my football as much um, because I was I was in the 23s and I've been there, like, like I said, made my debut at 16, now I'm yeah. 20 and I'm still playing Same. under 23s football and I wanted to move on and it was, it was almost like it was a fresh start for me at, at Oxford and I just really enjoyed my time there. I, I enjoyed playing under the gaffer there. Um, it just gave me loads of freedom and, mm -hmm. and confidence in my ability. And, and the lads that were there were a good set of lads. And uh, there was a few of us that had just come out of full-time football. So even though it was part-time and we were training on Tuesday and Thursdays, uh, the gaffer would come in early and we would do uh, extra sessions before the squad training. Okay. So... Uh, so we'd probably get in for about three o'clock and you're trained three till five on Tuesday and Thursdays, train there just to get more contact time on the pitch. Yeah. Then you would just rest and get some food in the, in the clubhouse, which they'd provide for you, which mm. I think not many clubs would do that for you. Yeah. Um, so that was from, let's say, five till seven. And then you're trained from seven till nine as a, as a full squad, squad training. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed it there. It was, it's a really, it's a quite family club there. And... I say the the group of lads we had were good on and off the pitch with me, um, and that and they showed in our performances. I think you need to have a good set of lads off the pitch because whatever happens off the pitch helps on the pitch. And, uh, and yeah, I can't speak highly enough of of Oxford City to be honest with you. That's good. Was it quite a culture shock then to go from full time football like you were having at West Brom to then you know part time football? And obviously it must have helped then that there was a group of lads yeah. the same as yourself that had come out of full-time football that you had the extra like, training with. Yeah, because some of the lads at Oxford City were, were part-time. They, yeah. they had full-time jobs on the side. Um, whereas I, I said to myself, I'll give it a year mm -hmm. and I just want to focus on my football. So even though I was only trained uh, Tuesday and Thursdays uh, properly with Oxford, um, there was a lot of lads that, that were from West Brom that also um, left at the same time as me. So we all used to meet up, go down to the park on like a Monday and, and Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah. So we still, we, st we still train like pros, even though we weren't in a professional environment. Yeah. And I think that really helped. And it also helped with um, mentally as well. I think it, it was tough leaving, um, leaving West Brom because you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. You, 
you're almost in no man's land a little bit. Um, but, but like I say, I was, it really helped that I had a group of lads that were almost in the same situation as me and we were still doing the gym and the training and everything. We, we tried to do it as professionally as possible yeah. and that, that did help me as well, I think. That's good. Um, do you think it helped you kind of mature as a person as well, obviously moving away into an environment like that, coming out of an academy? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's almost like a reality check. Yeah. I think when you're at a, a Premier League club at an under-23s, you think, you know what, I've, I've got a chance and then suddenly that door closes. Yeah. You think you're still going to have somewhere because your hard work has paid off up until now. Um, but sometimes you need that opportunity and when you don't have that opportunity it is tough and I've seen a lot of lads that have uh, that have come out of academy football that are very good players and could play at a higher level than what they are but because they haven't had that opportunity they're they've almost had to take one step back to take two steps forward and and that's what I had to do with Oxford uh, Oxford City I think I wanted to try and stay in full-time football for as long as I could Mm -hmm. realizing that that wasn't an option so it almost was a one step back to take two steps forward. But that, that's how I saw it at the time, but it probably wasn't a step back, I think, because I enjoyed my time that much at Oxford City, yeah. that without them I wouldn't be here. And it must be great to see as well that they've had such a successful season just passed as well, promotion to the National yeah, League for the first time was, as well. I was buzzing for them. Yeah. It's uh, like the gaffer there, he's, I think he used to play with the gaffer here as well, so, oh, okay, so, yeah. they're, uh, so it's all uh, linked yeah. a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was I was really pleased that they got into the national league, and cause it's pretty much the same team. Obviously, they lost a few a few lads because we did have a good season. So yeah. I think there might have been three or four of us that left, um, but the core team stayed together. So all my mates were still there, yeah. and it was uh, it was really nice yeah. to get promoted. Definitely, it's always brilliant to see like a former team do well in yeah. an environment like that. So then, obviously, the move. Uh, last summer came uh, to move up to County. Um, how did the move come about? When did you know about it first initially? Like the interest from the club and you know talks through the move. I got a message off Ender Baron, the uh, the scout, and uh, I, I I saw saw the message and I thought this can't be this can't be real. Yeah. I thought how can Ross County, uh, in the Scottish Premier League so far north, mm-hmm. spot me at Oxford City? Um, and I, uh, I just thought this is an opportunity I can't, I can't turn down. Yeah, Back into full time football, uh, living away from home for the first time, which I knew was going to be tough. But I was at a stage in my career and my life that I just knew that I needed to almost mature even more mm-hmm. and be able to live on my own and and almost grow up a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the end of there because I think it was Mark Sheaf's uh, signing day that someone kind of had a little. I don't know, investigative moment, finding out that um, Max was travelling up north and uh, find out that Ender was following. I think that's almost like the, not quite the official confirmation, <laughs> Jack sat here kind of like laughing away, but it's close enough. Um, so yeah, so then obviously the, the move up here then came about. Um, to listeners that haven't seen it, there's your agent, Jason Mack, who uploaded kind of like a vlog of the day mm-hmm. of you and your family travelling up here to sign. Um, it's a really interesting video, um, and it was quite interesting to see, you know, how proud your family were mm. of you as well, because they'll, you know, they'll have supported you through your career so much. They'll have seen the, you know, the the steps you took after leaving West Brom. You really mm-hmm. committed to your time at Oxford City, and then to to earn a move up here, they must have been really proud of you, and that must have been echoed throughout, you know, your friends as well. Yeah, I think when when 
like you were saying, my mum and dad, when, when your uh, son moves into academy football, it, it doesn't just change the son's life, it changes the, the family's life. Yeah. I think it's not just me that's had to sacrifice so much to get to where I am now. It's, it's also my mum and dad, the amount of times they've, they've driven me to training or they've come to away games where they've come all, uh, all around the country. And I think it was, almost, it was a big moment for them as well as me. And it, it almost made all them sacrifices worthwhile. Yeah, and definitely. I think it was nice that I got that uh, my agent did a video. I'm, I, did, I, I weren't too sure about it at first because I thought I'm not really one to be putting all over social media and everything. But I think it was more just to show how far I'd come in such a short yeah. space of time. I think there's not, you won't see many that have moved from non-league to SPFL and yeah, but it's, it's an opportunity that I, I couldn't turn down and and even like my mates that have come they they came down to Oxford City with me which is still an hour and a half from mm -hmm. from uh, Birmingham where I'm based so to sit so they they've been down to Oxford City see me play at some uh how can I put it some places that aren't as good as SPFL yeah. and then they've come to see me play at the Ibrox mm -hmm. and I think for them to do that for me, to support me through even the tough times to see me succeed at some of the highs in my career, I can't, I can't thank them lot enough, really. Yeah. I think, and I think it's nice that they can, I can share their moments with them as well. Yeah, definitely. You made your first start, well, the league start, should I say, at yeah. Ibrox. I did have that noted down here. Um, how was your settling in period here? You've obviously mentioned it was the first time moving away from home. Um, it's a big move. It's a long-distance move mm -hmm. as well. Um, so how did you kind of find the... Adapt, adapting to the Highlands and also did you have like a, a flatmate a, a roommate that you were kind of sharing with at the time to help you up here it's a different way of life compared to being in Birmingham yeah. where it's it's a big city up here it's, it's a lot quieter and that did take some getting used to but it's it's so nice up here where there's no not really much traffic every, no one's really in a rush up here which yeah. I really like um, but it obviously did take some getting used to I think I came up and I had only a few days, and I was living in a hotel. Then I was packing, and we went away to Verona for the week. Yeah. So I was half trying to settle in here whilst trying to pack to go to Italy. Yeah, yeah. So I was all over the place for the first few weeks. Um, but then once, once we came back and we got into a routine of having certain days off, like yeah. we have done all season, uh, and then trying to settle into my house, um, I finally got settled, and... It helps with your football once you settle off the pitch. It does help on the pitch. Um, I've I've still living in the same house this this year as I was last year. Just living on my own, so my uh, my parents, my girlfriend, come up and and see me a lot, which is nice. That's good. Yeah, still obviously putting contacts at home. Um, so you made your debut in the two 0 win uh, against Alloa in the League Cup, and then your league debut here against Celtic and Dingwall. That's you know we've spoken there about your first league start as well, which which came at Ibrox a couple of weeks later. Um, it was obviously unfortunate to pick up an injury against Celtic in the League Cup match a few weeks after that game at Ibrox, which ruled you out for a few weeks. Um, obviously, in the move to a new club, you want to you know hit the ground running, do really well. Was that quite a frustrating moment for that to come about? And, and do you think it actually benefited you and gave you a bit more kind of mental strength to then push you through perhaps some tough times during the season that the, the squad suffered? Yeah, I think I picked up a little niggle in pre-season as well in Verona. So that ruled me out for, I think, the Bucky Thistle game. Yeah. I think... Um, so that was annoying mm -hmm. and then I think I, so I, uh, I've been coming on a little bit against uh, Celtic and St Mirren yep. uh, and then got my start against Rangers mm -hmm. I thought, uh, 
thought we did okay. Obviously, it's difficult going to yeah, uh, Rangers. And then I got a back to back start, and I was almost picking up a little bit of a, of a run, which yeah. I, was, I was pleased with. I was playing in a different position, I was playing a bit further forward com uh, compared to left back. Um, and I thought I can, I was, I was feeling not comfortable, but I was getting into my stride of yeah, hitting the ground the running. And obviously, picking up that injury was uh, frustrating. Um, I think it was obviously it's um, annoying picking up an injury, but it's part and parcel of football. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's probably a massive change compared to uh, being from part time to full time, and then uh, the standard being a lot different playing Celtic and Rangers. It's probably my body just not shutting down as such, but probably saying, "Hang on a minute, you've." You've done a lot recently. We can't take it as much. Um, so that's it. Probably that probably didn't help with picking up an injury. Um, but obviously, it's, like I say it's part and parcel of football. Um, and yeah, I, I worked hard in the gym to get back as quickly as I could. And obviously, the timing is it's bittersweet, really. Obviously, Ben picking up his injury. Um, no one wants a player to get injured, especially the severity of his injury as well. Uh, but it also gave me an opportunity, and uh, like I say, it was it took a bit of time to get a full ninety in me after being having such uh, a long period of time out. Um, but I really, I really hit the ground running, I think, and I was really pleased to get so many uh, starts in a row. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got a note down here that you know your return it literally coincided with Ben's injury at the time. Um, and then from that point on, you kind of made the left back role your own. Um, obviously, you got your first goals for the club as well the, in the three-two win against the men in here, and then a few days later in the two-nil win against Hibs at Easter Road. You know, it must have been great to you know get those goals in important matches at an important time as well. Yeah, we, we switched away. formation around that St Mirren game. Yeah, I think that was the first time I went to five at the back or yep. well, three at the back. However, you want to see it. Um, and yeah, so I knew I was further, playing a bit further forward, so I knew I had to making sure that I was in at the back post and I, I'd done that last season uh, the season before uh, Oxford City and I just wanted to try and do the same again this uh, last year and I think the Samaritan goal was was a big goal looking looking mm -hmm. back at it um, and then and then the next game was the Tuesday night and again we I think we started as a back four and then went to a back three dur uh, during the game and I think we're big on set pieces here, and me, Jan, and, and then Tomo or um, Thompson uh, tried to work on a little routine, and and it paid off. And yeah. I don't think it was meant. Well, I wasn't meant to be the the one that the ball fell to, but I'm glad that it did. Oh, definitely, it was a good finish. Um, so, fast forwarding then to the playoffs. Obviously, what what went on there? The first leg was a pretty tough shift for everyone. I think it's safe to say. Um, second leg, you started on the bench and came on in the 60th minute for, for Ben. Um, what was it like then experiencing the match? As the game went on, obviously Jan scored the penalty and then very quickly Simon grabbed the second. When you're on the pitch, can you feel like there is something very special potentially happening here in the field? The momentum just completely swing? Or um, is, it, is it slightly different as a player? I think the first, the first goal went in and we thought, right, that... We've got we've got a chance now. Yeah. I think we we always I think it's it was the story of the season last season. Once we get the one goal, we all almost that that was it. Then we yeah. were going to score a couple. Uh, it was just getting that first goal and and then Jan scoring the penalty. The the crowd really 
that you could hear mumbles. Yeah. I don't think it was everyone was fully uh, invested in it. Um, but then I think that second goal so quickly, I think that's when the momentum really changed. Yeah. I think the, the ball's gone back to them and then back again to their defender. Yeah. And they've almost, it felt like they'd got a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's when the momentum shifted. And, and I think the lads thought, right, we've got a chance here. They've, they've given us a, a sniff. And I think we just took the game to them a little bit. And then obviously... I, I, the the whole game's just a blur now, really. The it's surprise, yeah. it's uh, it, it was just mental. Um, but then getting the goal, I was I just I, I can't remember how I got to that position. I just found myself in the box. And it's it's a great ball in from Jan. We, we've seen Jan do that all season. And well, one of my questions was going to be talk us through like the thoughts and the emotions as the ball's coming across. Yeah. But you're saying it's a blur, the, the, and then the, everything after it as well. Plus then. You know the dreaded VAR weight on top of that yeah. too, and then thinking, oh no, here so we go again. Because the the balls come in, and I just I just it just landed to me. Yeah. I think I've, I've not really had to move for it. The balls just landed to me. I just thought, just just get good contact, and and it, and then as I've hit it, it is almost like slow motion a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then just to see it hit the back of the net was such a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the VAR went uh, came along, I was thinking, what, what are they giving VAR for? Because I'm not offside. Yeah. And then I thought. Could Jan be offside? And then I think I think I turned around to Jan and I said, "Yeah, were you offside?" He went, "It couldn't have been me." I was thinking, "What have they given this for?" And I'm, I'm still not sure what it is now. I'm not sure if uh, Jordan White was was close to it. Yeah. So, um, but no, it was it was a relief. Just mental. And then I think it was the quickest bit of extra time I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I think not much really happened. I think they had a few chances, but even when they had the chances, I don't think we thought that they were going to score. I think that was, I thought, you can almost see it going to penalties a little yeah. bit. And then, uh, and then penalties happened. And I thought, well, I, I thought, uh, I, I've put my name forward. And I thought, our oh, gaffer's going to put me as fifth penalty taker because he did that for Hal- uh, Hamilton. Because yeah. I, was, I was fifth penalty taker for that game as well. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to do the, the same again. So as they're as the going in, I'm thinking, well, they, they've missed one. So I thought, oh, I could be winning it here. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Baldy uh, misses. I think it's a, a good save from, yeah. from the keeper. And, and I'm just thinking, you've just, just got to score, really. Um, I didn't really think much. I didn't realise that if I missed, that we'd that we, we would lost, yeah. which I think is probably a good thing. I think uh, that's my first professional penalty I've taken. Wow. So okay. I think that bit of naivety probably helped a little bit, yeah. just not knowing the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back at it, I think that's. That's probably the. It was a big penalty for me personally, um, and then for Simo to put it away. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's Simo's such a good lad, yeah. and I think it's it's nice to see him get that bit of success. Definitely. I think he's probably not had the season that he would have wanted. He probably would have wanted to play a few more times than what he has, uh, but for him to put it away was was, was just a. Probably a day that we'll, us players will never forget, and hopefully the fans won't either. It's really interesting you say that's the first professional penalty you've ever, ever taken as well. That's a hell of a moment to step up in it. Um, obviously, just right at the start, mentioned the celebrations on the pitch and stuff like that too. Um, you could see how how delighted everyone was that the club was going to be remaining as a Premiership club coming into this season. Then, when you guys went into the changing room and in that evening, was there many celebrations of what you achieved as well? Was it quite was it quite calm and relaxed? Um, and, I think we, we we all had a had a few to celebrate, but mm. I think uh, 
the day was more of a relief than anything. Yeah. I think looking back on the season, we shouldn't have been in the position that we that we were with the players that we've got in the dressing room and I think it was really uh, really nice to win but then I think the next day we just turned around as lads and said that's, yeah, that's more relief than anything mm-hmm. and I think everyone was on the same page as that yeah. um, which is probably the good mentality to have as a team uh, so I think this season we, we, we know that last season was even though you could say it was a bit of a success staying in the league but we should have. We had we had multiple opportunities to to stay up. Mm-hmm. I think the Kilmarnock one last game of the season being a prime example of it, and we just don't want to be in that position again, really. No, of course, that gives us motivation then to to avoid that coming into this season. But then on your summer holidays, you'll have gone home to visit your friends, your family. What were they saying about the the whole match, the the moment that you yeah, stepped up in as well, or were they here for the game? No, no one was here for the game. It was my uh, dad's fiftieth. For the Kilmarnock game, Why, okay. so I said, "Look, I said we might be in playoffs, we might, we might not, but just have the party mm-hmm. the following week." Um, so he said, "Right, we'll, we'll have a party that week." So they couldn't make it to that game, um, and then I was supposed to go home on the Tuesday because uh, uh, we were in on the Monday, mm-hmm. but we weren't in for very long. So I said, "So I tried to get a, a flight, so I changed my flight to the Monday." Mm-hmm. So that was a, a nice surprise for him because I didn't, I didn't tell. Uh, my grandparents that, um, that I was coming home so that was a nice a nice surprise for them to, to see me and I think everyone everyone they were just giddy I yeah. think that's the best way I think everyone was just speechless um, and then my my sister's at uh, Loughborough University which is about an hour away and she'd gone back to, to study so we all drove up to see her uh, and we had a meal to, to celebrate that's nice it's double double celebrations there isn't it so um yeah, and then obviously going into the season, you know, we mentioned the the motivation of the the playoff game, trying to avoid drama like that again. What are the the targets both for you know the, the squad, but also you individually as well? I think as a squad, we we want to be as high at the table as possible. I think a few seasons ago we we got top six, and that that should be our aim this season as well. Yeah. I think uh, the quality of players we've got in the dressing room and the lads we've brought in as well, and um, they've I think they've settled in really well. The That's new good. lads. Um, and we just want to try and aim as, as high as we can, really. Um, and then for me personally, I just want to get as many games under my belt as possible and hopefully put in some good performances as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's all the questions I've got here. We do have just our quickfire T-bar talk section and we do start off with a pretty pretty loaded one to, to get going. Um, if you were to have a come down with me now, um, who would your three guests be? What would you cook them for the starter, main and dessert? And what would your evening entertainment be? As in... Teammates. Or could be anyone. Could be teammates, could be celebrities, anyone, anyone you like. I had three dinner guests. I think Liam Gallagher would be up there. Okay. Uh, John Lennon. And then... Hmm. I don't know what my third one would be. Probably... Cillian Murphy. Get an actor okay. in there as well. Interesting, yeah. That's a good choice. Uh, and then if I was going to cook something... For starters, probably some calamari in there. Uh, and then, I've gone Mediterranean, haven't you? Uh, probably like maybe like a paella or something. Nice. And yeah. then some profiteroles for, for dessert, I think. Nice. Are you a good chef? Um, well, I'm moving away from home. I'd, I've never cooked good before, today, before yeah. moving up to, to the Highlands. Um, but I, I've, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got enough in the locker to, to get me through. I'm not like a... 
a mad chef, but I, I've, I've got the basics and I can, I can, if you said come round for a dinner, I could, I could whip something, something in it. Yeah. Whip something up, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And what would your evening entertainment be then? Evening entertainment? Ooh, I don't know. Probably try to get some like card games or something. Okay. Something, something simple, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, any nicknames? Yeah. The lads here call me Doddy. Okay. Or Dodd. Right. I think, well, they reckon uh, George in Scottish is Dodd. And then for some reason that's turned into Doddy. So the lads here know me as, as Doddy. There you go. That's an interesting one. Um, best player you've played with? That's what I played with. Um, Chris Brunt. He dropped down a few times with the under 23s mm-hmm. at West Brom. And I think he's left foot so underrated. Oh, and I think. He'd been at the club for so long. I'd watched him since I was a little lad. So to be able to play with him, even though it's just a under twenty threes game, was it was massive for me, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, best player you played against? I've played against. It's a bit of a cough. I've played against Paul Pogba. Okay. Uh, we had it's a fair choice during uh, COVID. We some some of the lads went with the first team, and we had a behind closed doors game against Man United's first team um, and we played I think 15 minutes so technically I play against them but I think if I was going to say in my career properly I would say probably Jota he's, mm. he's uh, very sharp and, and quick with the ball yeah definitely um, what was your go-to initiation song? I went for Oasis Wonderwall nice I've done that twice now so and how did it go? <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. I think uh, when I did it, I did mine in Verona here, and uh, a few of the lads did it at the same time as me. Okay. So I got away with it rather than me just being the only one. Aye, fair enough. Uh, what's the best initiation you've heard? Best initiation. Oh, I can't remember. Most of them are pretty bad, to be Aye, honest. Well, with to you. be fair, it could be the best, the worst one. In oh, the best, that. worst ones. No, I'm Kenner. Oh, really? What was he? Oh, what was he, he sang a bad one, but he's. He went really high pitched, and it was it was a good it was a good laugh for the last. Um, what's the worst one then you've heard? Oh, worst one, Cal Johnson. Last mm-hmm. year he had a he had a bad one. I think every time he went to go speak, everyone gave him a round of applause. So he he was uh, he was a bit awkward that one. I oh, was that in Verona as well then. Was it that so? one? No, Cal Johnson's was at Hearts first game of the oh, season. Okay. Yeah. And he was the only one that night as well. Oh, so, that's even worse. That's even worse. That's what you're saying. I know you got away with yours <laughs> mainly when there's so many. Um, what's your favourite TV show? Just finished watching Power okay. on Netflix. Don't know if you watched it, but Not yet, that no. is that's very good. It's good. Um, favourite film or film series? Favourite film? I do like Wolf of Wall Street. Nah, that's a, a one, it's yeah. a standard one though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, a TV or film quote that you've used the most? Ooh, that's a tough one. One of the quotes I use a lot is, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Okay. That's a good one. Fair enough. Um, Favourite holiday destination? Uh, probably Greece. I've gone there the last uh, few years with my girlfriend, and I think it's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, nice. Um, what's one thing you wish you enjoyed more? Wish I enjoyed more... <sighs> probably... Probably, I would love to learn an instrument. I think if I had the motivation to learn to play an instrument, I think I would love to do that. Any instrument in particular? Probably guitar, because I think 
whenever someone has a guitar, you never have a bad night. It's true, very true. Um, what's your favourite bit of football memorabilia that you've got? Favourite bit of memorabilia? I've got the goal, uh, the shirt that I scored against Partikin. Gave That's that, well, I gave that to my to my dad. So um, I think we're going to get that one framed. It's a good birthday present. Um, Finally then, um, what would your teammates or colleagues um, say to describe you? Busy. I think that's the best way that they describe me because I'm always asking questions about transfer news. Uh, they like to call me slow sports news. <laughs> um, or I'm always trying to do something extra or ask a question that probably doesn't need to be asked, but i just like to know. So I think they like to call me busy. That's fair enough. That's interesting though. George, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so that was our chat with George Harmon yesterday. Um, so it's now Thursday afternoon, the time I'm recording this part of the podcast. I'm just going through editing uh, parts of it just prior to uploading it later on today. I just want to put out there thanks to George for his time yesterday. It was a really interesting chat, which I hope everyone listening has enjoyed as well, getting to know George a bit more um, of what he's like off the pitch and not just what we see on the pitch, you know, the big moments such as the in the... Uh, playoff final second leg so yeah hope you enjoyed that and now we're just going to go back to myself and Stephen who were recording this part of the podcast on Wednesday night just previewing the trip down to Stranraer and just a bit of transfer news as well so now looking ahead to Saturday um, as we said in the introduction the long 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 trip down to Stranraer which I'm looking forward to it. It's somewhere to tick. It's a ground to tick off the list of the yeah. 42, which will be, which will be interesting. Um, and it provides a, a different sort of test. Um, you know, Stranraer have had a decent preseason. Uh, having a look at some of their fixtures, um, they drew against Connors Key Nomads, who we know particularly well after our Challenge Cup victory uh, against them back in 2019. Um, they drew with Hullford United they lost 2-0 to Air United uh, but beat Kilwinning 4-1 in a friendly yesterday so um, they've had a decent pre-season um, Scott Agnew is their manager and um, by all accounts he's trying to implement a really positive brand of football uh, he's wanting his team to play as well I was watching a bit of their uh, his interview on the on their social medias yesterday it was about a 10 minute interview and um yeah uh look it's as a premiership club going down to a league two club you are the favorites but you know we've seen we saw last season when as a premiership club we went to a highland league club and they put up a really tough challenge and, and we drew 1-1 with bucky thistle but fortunately beat them on penalties so it just shows that none of these teams can be taken for granted yeah, the first game in any competition, especially in like the League Cup, the way it is now with the length of time you've got for your pre-season, especially this year, there isn't going to be a huge amount of difference between the teams in relation to sort of what I would say match sharpness and fitness because everyone's still trying to get that. What you're hoping is the base fitness for our players is maybe slightly ahead of the Stranraer boys just because they're a part-time club. But as I said all the time, what, you, what I always say is, you tend to find that part-time footballers can be a bit more professional than the full-timers because they have to be with training only twice a week and making training, and it's that sort of commitment level. Um, I think Arsene Wenger had said one time, they always asked why there were so many shocks in cup games, and he said, 
the chances are a lot of the players at lower levels have the ability to go and play at a lot higher level, but it's either just been their application or that because they don't train full-time, that's what catches them out. So they can do it for a game here or there and step up a performance, but then drop off afterwards and they're not consistent. That's why other players then make go further up the greatest because they just have that consistency to their game. So I think a wee bit of that is kind of you have to guard against that. It's not an easy place to go and play football and they will be up for it. Make no mistake, you know, they will see it as a scalp, you know, we still think of ourselves sometimes as, you know, Ross County, we're, you know, we're in the Premier League, but we don't, you know, in, in that respect, when we draw a big team in the Scottish Cup, we're always thinking it's Celtic, it's Rangers, but they will see it as a Premier League team. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So we, yeah. we have to treat it as that. And I think Malky will be more than aware of that. Um, and it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, a, I think, even though Scott Arnie will, will want to play a brand of football, it will be a, probably a, a physical game down there. It always has been hard physical games and, and they will try and match up. So I suppose it's it's dealing with that a bit like what happened at Bucky, where Bucky had a bit of football about them, but you know they're going to be in your faces very early on and try and make it difficult for you, and and as they should do. Do you know what yeah, I mean? There's, absolutely. You know, we we've been on the other end of it where we've gone to Celtic and Rangers and you know dug in and made it tough. So you know, in a way, we should see this as a positive challenge. Okay, if we're the Premier League team, how do we dictate the game and how do we take it to them? How do we pick them off? Are we at a stage yet where we're fluent enough to? to move the ball about and, and interact and move with different positions. So I think from that point, it'll be an interesting... And again, it'll, it'll give us an indication of where we're at. Do you know what I mean? But I don't expect to be a huge amount of goals in the game. I think it'll be, you know, like a maybe a 1-0 or a 2-0 win for County. Maybe even 2-1. But it'll be a pressurised game. But I, I hope we have enough there to, to get a good start in the, the competition. Yeah, definitely. I think it last season showed how important it is for Premiership sides to win all four games in their group. And, you know, as as the Premiership side, that probably will be the target is, you know, um, let's not try and get another cup match against Celtic. You know, that, <laughs> that, that draw against Bucky just... It... it, it <laughs> It wasn't a bad result because you still yeah. won it on penalties. But then that point that you missed out on was the, the difference between being seeded and unseeded. Yeah. So it just shows how fine the margins are in cup games, regardless of what tier the team has come from. Um, yeah. And yeah, look, I, I think it's interesting listening to Scott Agnew's comments because he was talking about their season starts on Saturday, officially, yeah. because, you know, they've played... Um, for preseason matches, you know, yeah. already in the kind of in the build up to it, um, and and yeah, look, it's it's going to be tough. It it will be tough. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what team we go with. You know, we're not we're not going to do a, a starting eleven prediction or anything like that because mm. it, it it still is an element of preseason. So there might still yeah. be a few changes here and there, um, but you know, having likes of a. Jay Henderson and a Jan Dando on the same pitch who yeah. can play football, but then also having a target man like Jordan White who can feed off quality deliveries from both of them can kind of, if you're playing against a team that's sitting back quite deep with the quality of delivery that both Dando and Henderson have got, when you've got yeah. strikers in and around that area, they can they can challenge for that. It's not like you're trying to overplay through the lines. You know, Stephen, you made the comment there about, you know, through the years, some county sides try and 
pass the ball into net or try and overplay and things like that. And yeah, I guess it's having the 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 variety in your in your play, which we definitely saw elements of on Saturday against Queens Park. You know, yeah. we weren't shot shy. You know, Danda had a couple of long range shots um that went over the bar or, or were blocked but it wasn't like we were trying to overplay obviously we spoke about turner's chance as well which was a good save um so no it'll be it'll be very very interesting i think in these kind of games an early goal always helps kind of settle the nerves and it can yeah it then forces your opponent to come out a bit yes yeah. you know um i think that's potentially what we kind of missed at bucky last season just the longer it went on and then obviously you know, yeah. Well, they you, scored first, didn't they? And then they it did. was really like it, it, you're then trying to force the game a wee bit. Exactly. And that's that's a problem for you because as soon as you start doing that against these teams, it provides them more opportunities. It can swing both ways. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It can. You know, we're talking about them coming out, but then it means we have to push harder then, and it gives them more opportunities. So, I think yeah, an early goal would settle things down a bit for County and being able to get into their groove a bit more. But then I suppose for Malky, he's probably going to sit there and go, as much as he doesn't want to lose the game, he'll be sitting there and going, right, well, if there is a challenge coming and things don't go right, let's see what characters we've got then. Let's, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a good indication for them and the club um, and, and, and how that would that would play out. I suppose for ourselves, out of all the teams that we've drawn in the competition, as far as the, the League Cup goes, you know, we, we could have had, you know, a harder games earlier yeah late earlier so you're probably thinking we could have played Greenock do you know what I mean away and that could have been a, a really tough one for us so from the point of view of playing Stranar even though it's away it's an opportunity to you know at least build ourselves up a wee bit and as you said you know you can have a bit of variety because again if I'm right now Latoury with a gold cap he won't he's going to get a couple of weeks rest the chances yeah. are we might not see him until maybe towards the end of the the league cup competition if that yep. like do you know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Um, so no, it'll be interesting to to see. I um, obviously mentioned the team news there. The, I don't think there's any any players expected back on Saturday that you know were that missed that missed out for injury reasons against Nairn and uh, yeah. Queens Park. You know, um, there was no word on Ben Parrington if he's recovered from his illness or yeah. things like that. But likes of you know, Brophy, Laidlaw. Uh, players like that, they are still still a couple of weeks away that we mentioned, and and Stephen, you mentioned Latouri there. So, um, no, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, it's certainly, as you said, it, we could have had the tougher games first. I mean, Morton picked up a great one against St Mirren in their preseason friendlies at the weekend as well. So yeah. it shows that you know they're they're well up for you know Premiership opposition, and they'll be coming yeah. up here looking to to progress as well and and yeah. try and win the group and. And yeah, like the League Cup's always always interesting. Um, and we'll see how that goes. I think the slight difference you might see on Saturday compared to the first two friendly games, where it's been sort of like 45 minutes or 60 minutes here, is there'll probably be a core of the team or a spine of the team that probably will play around the 90 minutes. Yep, agreed. Um, and I can see that down the middle of the park. Do you know what I mean? I think there will be less... Unless, in fairness to the team, that they get off the flyer and there are quite a few goals up by half time where they have the opportunity to to do that. Yeah. Um and that might be a bit of motivation for Malky and say to the boys, look, if you get yourself a good buffer of a lead here, we can rotate in a wee bit as well and that stuff as well. But as you said, you're conscious of that first game. Last season we won all but one and the other yeah. one was at the two points we got at Bucky, and that still knocked us out of the seeded teams. So yeah. 
the, probably the aim for ourselves in the, the competition. And it'll be tough. We'll be four wins out of four to get that seeding so that we're not going in then to the and, and picking up one of the five clubs who's at Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, Celtic and Rangers who will come in in the next round yeah. just because of where they are with the European competitions. Yeah. So it just then hopefully what it does do, it prolongs your cup run and gets you through to the latter stages, which would be great for the club financially, but also as fans, we've not really had a cup run in a long time. And it'd be just nice to go and do something early on. But again, it's going into two games a week then and that and stuff as well. So it's a, it's a balance for ourselves as well. Yeah, definite, definite. Um, and just the the last bit, um, obviously we spoke about transfer rumours on the last podcast. There's not really been anything that's kind of jumped out in the last week that has. Yeah. I mean, kind of transfer rumours, um, news, etc. There was... Uh, Malky made the comments after the match on Saturday that they hit the post um, in terms of signing a player last week. Um, yeah. There's been a few names branded about on social medias. We won't go into the names and things like that. Yeah. But, um, it's just part and parcel of the transfer window that players will. Yeah. I think, I think a deal's done. will come up. Potentially a, an agent tries to ask for more money. And it's just a, it's just a no. It's not it's not in the club's interest to to go that way. Um, another one was um, Jesse Debra seems set to sign for Barnsley. Obviously, we've yeah. spoken about Debra on a couple of the, the podcasts previously, and that's the that's the 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 news that's coming out from um, Barnsley's kind of Twitter and and fans and things like that over the last few days. And that seems to be almost like a, a done deal there. So, um, so that's one we've missed out on, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting, I guess, just to see what kind of names are, are linked and things like that. Um, and what we, I don't know, if there's any other areas apart from centre half that we look at, obviously we, we've spoken about like Stuart McIntyre and things like that. So are they still yeah. looking to bring in a, a wide player and that too? But yeah, if there's any, yeah. we'll cover them on the page. And yeah, well, just wait and see what comes about in the next week. I think uh, the hope is that if we're letting a centre half out and a left midfielder out on loan, that there's obviously the hope that something's potentially, you know, in the pipeline. I think you're not far off it there, Ross. Uh, understanding was when Malky's seen hit the post, I think they did. My understanding is they did have a player at, you know, given all the show around and that But then I just think, as you said, with the agents involved in that, it just didn't happen. I think the club were just in a position where it, it wasn't going to happen. Do you know what I mean? And, and what you'll probably find is a lot of clubs will use that if they've got a player that they're trying to promote to other clubs then they'll come up and do that at Ross County and they'll then use that potential offer to say to other clubs, well, this is what he's been offered at Ross County, you know, and then obviously then that's a bidding start. So it's just, it's just unfortunate, but I think we mentioned last week for that one or two positions, they're probably going through about eight or 10 targets. Yeah. And, and as Malky's saying, hitting the post or about the net. It's not to say with some of these, if they don't get a club that they won't come back, but then you then question then you know if they're going to be committed to coming up to Dingwall, which you know is a, a you know is a commitment if you're going to move your family and all that, then you know is that the sort of character you want? Then you're what your hope and expectation is if you get them around the, the building that they're going to sign there and then, and that the, the deal's done. Um, so I suppose the club are right in taking their time about it. My only worry is that time is now starting to tick on a wee bit, and we are getting close to the first league game of the season against Celtic. And you just hope that if you do sign a player, they get them in for a couple of weeks. Because especially if the potential is they're going to come from down south, I think they haven't gone back as early for their training and that and stuff as well, their pre-season. So it's just getting the individuals up to speed. But um, 
yeah, I think we're not far off that, Ross. My understanding is there was someone that was shown around, but unfortunately it just didn't happen. But that will be a, a normal procedure anyway for the club. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Mark is referring to in the post. It's probably half the battle is getting up here. The next challenge is actually then getting the... Because you're going to have to go through agents and the player and what can change within a day is you could be speaking to some player and they're, they're, it sounds really positive and then in between that another club's then got in contact who'd offer you more money and that would probably be put to county there and then as well. Oh, this person's now interested. Can you match? And it's... So the club's right. If it's not right for them and they're, they're structured and, and the signings, then they're right to hold fire. Um, the only concern for me a wee bit is, you know, Malky said himself, they do look a wee bit weak at, at the back at the moment and it's something they need to probably get done sooner rather than later. But the indication from Malky was there was a couple of more irons in the fire. So we're hoping maybe towards the end of this week or next week, hopefully see something happen. Obviously, it might have been James Brown he was referring to at the time. That maybe could have been what he was referring mm-hmm. to when the signings yep. were, were coming in previously. Um, so it is adding to the cover side of it. Uh, unfortunately, Jesse Debrowan, that was muted very early on within the window. And again, from good sources down south. So there must have been some merit in it. Um, but my sort of take on it was if he hadn't signed very quickly after the international window opened on the 1st of July when you can sign players, then the longer that went, the less chance. But it looks to things at the moment, it looks like, as you said, Barnsley, there seems to be a lot of indication that Barnsley won the race to sign him. Um, but that's if other teams get involved, that's the challenge you're going to have is that the, the offer's been made to the individual. And in fairness to the player, he's well within his rights. You know, If he's not signed anything, he's a free agent. Um, so what we might find is if County do have one or two options, some of it might not come to fruition until near the end of the window. But just to the point of view, at least just getting one cent and a half in would, would make a difference between now and the, the first game of the season against Celtic. Yeah, definitely. I think it's obviously helped that we've got so much of the business done early. Like it's at the time of recording, it's only the 12th of July and we've got seven new players in the door. And I think yeah. that's, you know, testament to Malky and uh, Ferg, everyone that's played a role in the recruitment and getting people up here, mm-hmm. you know, Fiona McBean that's helped arrange yeah. all the, you know, travel, accommodation for people, everyone like that, everyone that's played a part in it has has done very, very well. And then I think it's quite interesting that because of all the business that we've done early, it's it's now some fans then think, oh, well, why have we gone quiet? And I don't yeah. think we have gone quiet. It's just we've been very quick to do our business and done it very well. It's now yeah. seeing what kind of comes up later in the window. And, you know, we're still three and a half weeks from the uh, the first league game against Celtic at Celtic Park. And I'm sure we'll hear about some movement, yeah. some rumours will pop up, some confirmed signings will come in and, and whatnot. So there is there is still plenty of time. And even once the league season started, we, we might still be, uh, you know, monitoring the loan market or players that yeah. are coming from down south. Like Jack Baldwin didn't sign until the league season was kind of well underway, if I'm correct, um, yeah. after he left kind of Bristol Rovers. So um, it just shows that these these players can come in at any time. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, look, we're, a lot of the squad is very settled. And again, credit to everyone at the club. That's, that's and I think that. as well, just reading stuff that's going on down south, so we could, hopefully, fingers crossed, potentially come into a bit of extra money that we've not accounted for with Ross Stewart. So reading what's happened with Ross Stewart is he they've triggered an additional year on his contract, which was the contract he signed with, 
you know, from County, they had an option on that. Now, Ross potentially would be back just at the start of the season from his injury or around that time. Yeah. So if he, the indications are coming from that they've triggered that contract, but he's not agreed to sign an extended contract, a new contract there. So I think he's probably looking at it and saying that there's an opportunity for him to go now. Indications are that Luton have expressed an interest. But if one Premier League team in England starts expressing an interest that Ross Stewart's available, what you might see is a few of them, because there was also chat about Brentford as well with Tony yeah. and that and stuff as well. Now, if he goes for a significant sum, we are have a sell-on fee on that, mm-hmm. which would be somewhere between 10 to 20% is the normal you know, uh, sell-on yeah. fee. So that potentially would produce some additional income, which you know, would be not accounted for because you can't base it on unless a player does go or not at that time. So if that is the case, we could have additional income in advance of the window, which might just then help Malky's budget if Roy's going to go, well, okay, you know, you can have that money to use that and, you know, to invest. So there might be opportunity then to pay a transfer fee or push the boat out on a signing just to get someone in. So it's one of those ones I'm watching really closely in the hope. (laughs) It's just frustrating that Ross got injured, unfortunately, yeah. And it was because Sunderland had an injury crisis. He was forced to play. They were trying to yeah. get the game rearranged. And then, of course, did he not injure his Achilles? It was, uh, yeah. I'm sure it was in the FA Cup game. I was it against Fulham? Fulham it was, yeah. yeah. And he was playing really well at that yeah. point. He was, was. You know, his, ratio, his ratio in the Championship in England was nearly a goal every second game, which was really highlighting it then to, to players. And he was obviously getting Scottish recognition as well. But I think clubs are still looking at it and they're thinking, well, he's only got a year left of his contract now, so they'll be trying to swoop in. But if one team goes for him and a few start bidding, then there's an opportunity there that Sunderland will look to sell on. So it's one to keep your eyes on because there is, I know Fergie had mentioned in a report somewhere that there was a sell-on agreed yeah. with Sunderland for that. So that could be a bonus for ourselves that when it comes to us then looking at players, we might be able to push the boat out a wee bit more if that income comes in and to supplement the budget. So... I suppose there's a lot of variables, as you said, Ross, going on right now, and that maybe we're just getting his fans a wee bit impatient. It maybe just feels that it's that final piece of the jigsaw that if we get one good centre half in beside that can play beside Baldwin, I think everyone just feels that wee bit more comfortable where we're at at that point in time. That the squad is still can be built on, you know, a few more signings to that, but I think there's a an opportunity there. And just before we go, just to remind you, Ross, the, the volunteer evening tomorrow at Ross County, there's a volunteer evening which you can sign up to. And the club are looking to get supporters involved and to support them and what they're doing. Um, and there's different things you can do, stuff as match day or working with the commercial departments and that as well. They're just looking for additional bodies to come and support uh, and fans and that as well. So if you are interested, it's on at... Um, uh, the Global Energy Stadium, 7 o'clock on Thursday evening, Thursday the 13th. And uh, if you're interested, you can pre-register um, and let the club know um, in what areas you're interested in. So if you are keen on getting involved in supporting the club, there's that opportunity available to you there as well. Yeah, we're both going to that. So um, that'll be good. Um, and yeah, I think that's covered everything. So um, yeah, uh, any feedback from the press conference stuff if you guys would like to to see more of it um then just leave it in the comments on our twitter post or um we'll leave it on a, a question uh on the on the spotify page as well if you want to answer that um and yeah a great chat with george Harmon today who opened up about his footballing career so far his time at county playoff drama and 
everything else in between as well. So, um, no, it was really good. So, uh, Stephen, thank you very much. No problems, Ross. Pleasure as always. Good, good stuff. And, um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you were listening to this on the long, long, long drive down to Stranraer, I hope we've taken up a good portion of the trip. So um, I'll be making the trip down. Hopefully we'll see a few county fans down there. And yeah, thank you very much for listening.